Memories, theologian Miroslav Volf writes, decisively shape our identities. Memories decisively shape our identities. From there, Volf goes on to write, and I quote, to the extent that we sever ourselves from memories of what we have done and of what has happened to us, to that extent we lose our true identity. And so, in short, Wolf counsels us to take care to remember. Now, this was no doubt something our forebears in the faith understood quite well. And by this, I mean this necessary connection between memory and identity. It's there throughout the entire body of the scriptures. Perhaps put most succinctly in Deuteronomy 32, the Song of Moses, where in verse 7, as you heard me just read, speaking of the Israelites' wanderings in the wilderness, Moses says, quote, Remember the days of old. Consider the generations long past. Ask your father, and he will tell you. Ask your elders, and they will explain to you. In other words, Moses is saying, take care that you remember. For as soon as you forget, Moses is saying, not only will you lose the memory, but with the memory you will soon lose your identity. Now this was not just an idea for the ancient Hebrew people, for those who first heard these words. And said this was a command that they then folded into practice. Which is to say they didn't just take time out to sit in a chair and try really hard to remember. Instead, they formed rituals so as to embed these memories. And among these cherished memories that they took time to cultivate, that they took time to embed, was this memory alluded to in the Song of Moses. That is, this flight from Egypt and the subsequent 40 years of wandering in the desert. The hardship of it all. The uncertainty. The indefiniteness. The existential sense of being adrift. Unmoored. Yes, once finally delivered from all of that to the promised land, these Israelites knew that to somehow forget this that to somehow forget the trials and hardships that they'd undergone, that to somehow forget the unique ways in which they'd been formed by these hardships, 
Yes, once finally in the promised land, these Israelites knew that to somehow forget all of that would be to soon enough forget who they really were. They knew that to forget all of that would be to not only lose the literal memories themselves, but even more significantly, that it would be to lose the wisdom and the experience and the identity that connects and that grounds them and sustains them as a community. Hence the command we find in Leviticus chapter 23. Here in this passage, we witness a command to the Israelites that they spend one week each year living in tents. That they spend one week each year leaving the comforts of their new homes here in the promised land so as to once more dwell outdoors in tents. And in tents because tents are what they lived in for 40 years in the desert. Once a year you shall live in tents for seven days, the command says, so that your generations may know. So that your generations may know. Well, all these generations later, still observant Jews during the festival of booths, that which is known as Sukkot, continue to do this. They sleep outside in makeshift shelters so as to remember. Each year at Sukkot in the early fall, they once more pitch their tents so that their generations may know. And it's a beautiful thing. And so here's why I bring this all up this morning. I bring this all up this morning because today is a day that we at Boulevard gather together to remember. For today is our coming home celebration our official celebration to mark the end of our long and brutal COVID-19 exile. And thus, today is a day to remember. To remember the hardships of this experience. To remember the loneliness and the alienation. To remember the uncertainty and the indefiniteness. To remember the fear and the grief. Meanwhile, however, it is also a day to remember how deeply we were formed as a community because of all of this. For amid our memories of how difficult and draining this exile was, let us also never forget these startling facts. Not only did we not lose people throughout our time, so to speak, in the desert, our community actually grew, both in terms of new members and in terms of scores of active new online participants. 
For whereas in early March of 2019, i.e. just before the world stopped, then we had a smattering of regular online participants, most of them former members living elsewhere. Today, not despite the exile, but because of the exile, we now have regular worshipers joining us and contributing to our ministries from all over the world. And we are grateful for all of you, by the way. Meanwhile, not only did our budget giving not taper off throughout these trying times, instead, against all odds, it grew considerably. Not only did our mission endeavors continue apace, we in fact created new ministries, some of which have brought in new members to our community. And moreover, not only did our care for and our connectedness to one another not wither away on account of the forced distancing, instead we were more intentional than ever about reaching out to one another and staying connected. And thus, in short, we gather together today for this coming home celebration, both to remember the hardships that we went through this past year, as well as to remember the way our identity as a church has been further formed and strengthened by those hardships. But having said that, This alone does not explain why I invoke Leviticus 23 and the annual festival of booths today. Which is to say this alone, this marking off of a single day to remember our COVID-19 trials and triumphs, this alone does not explain why I call to our attention the Israelites' annual retreat to tents, to booths. Nor does it fully explain why I spent so much time a moment ago distinguishing literal memories of something from the wisdom and experience and identity that such memories make possible. So let me therefore leave off momentarily with Leviticus 23 and say now a few words on the power and importance of cultural memory. That is, of memories that are indeed our own, but are our own by virtue of having been handed down to us. Which is to say, these legacy memories that form us and shape us and direct us in ways we most of the time are unaware of. There's a profound passage early in Plato's dialogue, the Timaeus, that captures an exchange between the ancient Greek statesman Solon and an elderly Egyptian priest. According to this story, after hearing Solon out, this Egyptian priest says to him, Solon, Solon, you Greeks are never anything but children. There's not an adult among you. For in mind and soul you are all young. There is no wisdom handed down to you by ancient tradition, nor any science hoary 
white-haired with age. And then from there, this priest goes on to explain to Solon why this is the case. And he explains that while the Greek civilization is technically a thousand years older than his own Egyptian civilization, that nonetheless Egypt, due to its geography, never experienced the same kind of periodic natural catastrophes that Greece, due to its geography, did. And that thus periodically, according to this priest, wiped out the Greek population. Thus, while Greece is technically older, this priest explains to Solon, in fact, it's technically a thousand years older, the Greeks, unlike the Egyptians, this priest says, had to keep relearning that which they once upon a time already knew. You following all of this? Here's a quote from this Egyptian priest. Listen closely. Just when you Greeks are beginning to be provided with letters and the other requisites of civilized life, then after the usual interval, the stream from heaven, like a pestilence, comes pouring down and leaves only those of you who are destitute of letters and education. And so you have to begin all over again like children, and know nothing of what happened in ancient times, either among us or among yourselves. In other words, this priest is saying to Solon, the wisdom made possible because of the past is necessarily cut off with the memory of the past. I promise I'm almost done with this. Commenting on this remarkable passage from the Timaeus, the Stanford professor Robert Pogue Harrison writes, Note the succinctness of the priest's distinction between Greek youth and Egyptian senility, which has to do not with chronological age, but with institutional stability. The oldest cultures, Harrison writes, are not always those that have the earliest origins, but are those that have maintained their continuity with them. Now let me read that last line again because this is the whole ballgame. The oldest cultures are not always those that have the earliest origins, but are those that have maintained their continuity with them. A thought which Harrison concludes by saying, Youth has several virtues, yet providing wisdom for the future is not one of them. So says your youthful pastor, who holds a deep appreciation for the wisdom of the past. Okay, enough with Plato and enough with Robert Pogue Harrison. Here's my point in bringing them both up. lest a community cultivate its cultural memory. That is to say, lest it take care to remember, lest it take care to honor whence it's come and honor the wisdom it has accrued in the process. Lest a community do that, 
it will soon enough lose the heritage and the foundation that it has otherwise taken for granted. This is what Miroslav Volf means when he writes that to sever ourselves from our memories is to lose our true identity. Just as this is what Moses means when he implores the Israelites to, quote, remember the days of old and to, quote, consider the generations past. Please understand, neither Wolf nor Moses, neither Plato nor Harrison is extolling memory for the simple sake of memory. Rather, all of these esteemed thinkers are extolling memory for the sake of future growth and maturity and wisdom and maintained identity. For to forget the past is not only to forget the past, they are saying, it is to simultaneously stymie any future growth. To fail to remember who we are and whence we've come, they are saying, is ultimately to fail to arrive wherever it is we think we may be going. And so it is for that reason that we gather here today for this coming home celebration. We gather here to remember. And not only to remember, but to remember in service of all that is one day to come. And further, we gather not only to remember the COVID-19 pandemic and its attendant hardships and successes, but likewise to remember those boulevard saints and sinners who went on to glory long before such a thing as COVID-19 was ever even heard of. Which is to say, we also gather today to remember those bold pioneers who one night sat on Marion and Peggy Campbell's front porch and dreamed of starting a new mission-focused church in Anderson, South Carolina. And to remember the fire that consumed that dreamed-of church's first sanctuary. The trial that ultimately eventuated in this gorgeous sanctuary we worship in today. We gather today to remember when the whole city of Anderson came to a stop so as to come out and see our breathtaking steeple being lowered by crane onto the spot where it still sits today. We gather to remember the installation of South Carolina's largest antiphonal pipe organ. We gather to remember the insertion of these gorgeous stained glass windows and the generous families and individuals who made them possible. We gather to remember saints long gone now, but who once upon a time filled these pews week in and week out. We gather today to remember that while they are gone now, they are still a part of us. In fact, we gather today to remember that they are not only a part of us, but that they are us. For so long as memory endures, we stand in an unbroken line with them as one church community. An unbroken line that began that night on that front porch and that good Lord in our own willingness to remember 
will extend indefinitely into the future. For we gather and trust that the God who called Boulevard Baptist Church into being in 1953 is not done with this story by a long sight. And that so long as we continue to honor our past, that so long as we remember who we are and whence we've come, so long as we remember the days long ago and the generations past, we gather trusting that so long as we do that, we will grow healthily and steadily and surely into a bright and shining future. And that leads me back to Leviticus 23 and the Festival of Booths. I said earlier that were this event today to stand in isolation, that were it to be a one-off event merely to signal our return from exile, then that as meaningful as that would be, it would not necessarily have any resonance with Leviticus chapter 23 just as it would not necessarily be an event truly aimed at cultivating cultural memory. But that, dear family, is why this celebration today is not a one-off event. Instead, let it be known that from here forward, Boulevard Baptist Church will gather together in celebration like this each year on the fourth Sunday in June the Sunday we first tried and failed to come back from our exile one year ago. And we will gather together on this Sunday each year for the same reason that the scriptures tell us that the Israelites began so long ago to gather each year. We will gather so that, quote, our generations may know So that my kids and their kids and God willing their kids after them might know of how a woman named Betsy Matheny and with her a group of intrepid seamstresses banded together to sew masks for the wider community in the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic. So that, say, Garen and Hannah Titus's kids and their kids and God willing their kids after them might know of how a man named Bobby Ratu, and with him a man named Robbie Dunaway, and Andy Waters, and Jim Young, and a young teenager named Brooks Chambers, of how these folks came together to make worship available to people via the internet during COVID-19, which saved the church from folding during that tumultuous time. Yes, we will gather together each year so that, say, Drew and Brooke Cole's baby girl who's due in October will, God willing, one day be able to tell her own kids about folks named Elwood Orr and Lee Prince, about folks named Bobby Morrow and Johnny McKinney, pastors whom she never knew but who once stood in this pulpit and gave all they had to faithfully shepherding this community's story onward. Yes, we will gather so that their daughter and that so many other young girls like her may one day be able to tell their own daughters of how this church, at a long ago time when other churches were too fearful to do so, began to ordain women to the gospel ministry 
and of how this church once upon a time boasted of such estimable ministers as Ellen Seacrest and Marcy Minot and Lucy Cawthon and a whole list of others like them whose names we don't even know yet. Yes, like the Israelites gathering in their tents each year, we will gather together each year to remember. We will gather together each year so that we won't ever have to start from scratch like the ancient Greeks. We will gather together each year so that we might never forget the wisdom that inheres in the past. Yes, we will gather together each year so that our generations may know. Dear family, the exile has ended. A new day is dawning. A bright future lies in wait. And it is ours for the taking so long as we never forget where it is that we come from. May we remember. Dear family, welcome home. Amen.